0: How united should the church be? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hear of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. (music) Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hear of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, how united should the church be? Very. Uh, There you go. Very. Actually, it's going to be even more than that. Entirely. See. Very is insufficient. That's true. That's true. But these days, if you read the Twitters, I will take just moderately united as a big win.
1: Definitely. Uh Unity is not one of those things that we are, at least based on our uh, our interactions on the Christian Twitter, um, <laughs> yeah. we are
0: not really doing a great job of, of displaying that. No, we're, we are not. And we know, for those of you listening, those long-term listeners, you know, Aaron and I, we like to gripe about the Twitters quite a bit. We do. Um, if you're new, we, Aaron and I know that Twitter does not reflect real life.
1: Yeah, not entirely, but it does affect real life.
0: and It does, and it does give a window to where some people are. Mm-hmm. And we are prone to see a lot of foolishness and division on the Twitters mm-hmm. within the church. Yes. So, yeah, we have, we have just a little bit of room to grow in this one. That's
1: true, that's true, and that includes you and I, because, yes. I mean, we, although we have a tendency to delete anything that we're tempted to say... <laughs> uh, because, or to send it
0: to one another privately. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. So, listeners may be wondering, we've talked about unity a lot already here, but we've already talked about the unity of the Church as a doctrine, as a whole, so today we're looking at a specific aspect of it, though we are, um, and and specific, more specifically, one of the analogies that Scripture uses
0: about yeah. our unity and our identity as well. So yeah, and it, it, the technical uh, the doctrine we're talking about today is actually the body of Christ. Yes, but as we're going to see, that is an amazing two directional unity—one with Christ, of course, mm-hmm. but then by by definition it has to result in us being united with one another as well. So so why don't we go ahead and and go ahead and read the doctrine, Aaron, as we always do, uh, summarize it, we'll look at verses and discuss it from there.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. All right. So the New Testament describes the church as the body of Christ. The church lives and operates as Christ's representatives here on earth with Christ as its head. So this means that the church is an extension of Christ's ministry carrying out his work by fulfilling the great commission and in addition to this the picture of the church as the body of Christ shows us the interconnectedness of individual Christians with each member dependent on one another for growth and sanctification. So all that to say much like a human the human body the church is one interconnected entity that needs all of its parts to function.
0: Exactly. And this is where you're starting to see the unity in both directions, because the unity of the body is with one another, which we began talking about, but we can't miss it. We're united to that head of Christ, mm-hmm. connected really deeply as well. So let's look at a few scriptures. I'll read the first one, because I'll read, leave the second one for you, because yes. it's longer, and I know you like to read more I than do. I do. So, I mean, you even have another podcast about reading. That's that's how much (laughs) you like to read. Um, So one of the first passages we see this, and we're just going to do two or three, I believe, just as a quick sampling for this one. Uh, But one of the first ones we see is Colossians 118, where this idea of, of Jesus being head of the body is seen really clearly. And this is what we find there. He, meaning Jesus, is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. So right there, that first phrase, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. The church there is defining body, so we are the body of Christ with Jesus being the head. So really on the nose there.
1: Yeah, very much so, very much so. And we'll get into a little bit more about what that that whole idea of head communicates as we we continue. But uh, our second one really deals with the relationship between the parts of the body, so the people. And this comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. And this is this very extended image of of the church as the body of Christ. Uh, So starting in verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many parts and all parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason... Uh, Any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts. And I will show you an even better way. And then begins the famous love extended discussion but um the the point here is is pretty simple is is that every single person who is a believer in Christ is a part of the body of yeah. Christ both on that local in you know, a local expression and in the and in the universal and each one of us is intended for a specific purpose that has great value in even if yeah. we don't see it.
0: Yeah, and that's why I love that. As you said, um, Aaron, it's a pretty simple idea, but notice how much room Paul gives to it because it's important. It's, And I think he knows we struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said it before in church ministry, for example, the person who empties the garbage is just as important as the pastor who's preaching a sermon. Now, yes. again, those are very different um, ministries or different skills necessary and so forth. But what we need to do is, is recognize that that person emptying the garbage is doing that for Christ, is serving, and matters just as much. And so we can't, we, we, we have to resist this urge of making one of two mistakes. One, either elevating some too high wrongly mm-hmm. and, and putting them on a pedestal. But what also happens, I think, more often is we look down on others, often ourselves and say, well, what do I have to bring? I only do this. Mm -hmm. I I only, I'm just a greeter. You know, that's all I do. I just stand at the door and say hi to people, or I just, I, I, you know, I hold babies in the nursery or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we, we devalue what God has us doing. And that's, that's a concern. We, we don't want to be puffed up in pride, of course, but we also don't want to be falsely humble and not recognize that God is using us. And we're serving him for a purpose. That's how I love that passage, that all these are important. One other, and then we'll talk about some more cautions and different areas of understanding, which I've already gotten us into. Mm -hmm. But one other passage, just the message, it doesn't really talk about the body imagery, but it reminds us of the mission, the purpose. Why are we a body? What what are we together to accomplish with Christ as our head? And it's Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the, the Great Commission. Jesus came near to them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth as our head. That makes sense. He's in the place of authority. Go, therefore, under that authority, he's giving us this this command, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So there we see that we have this mission, and if you think about that mission, it requires diverse gifts mm-hmm. and skills and ministries. We have to do it together. So let's um, transition. Then let's talk about a little bit more of, of cautions with understanding. What what do you what stands out to you?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, there's a couple of things here. I mean, in this in these metaphors, it's really explicit that Christ is the head. So he so. That's important because um, when, we, when we talk about this idea of Christ as the head, that means that he, he has all the authority. He is, he is in charge of this thing. He is the head that moves the whole body yeah. uh, where it's supposed to go. Um, and so we, we need to make sure that we remember that, that, that any authority that exists um, with anyone else is subject to Christ's authority. And that's actually the next part here too. Is is because Christ is the head, but we also do have human leadership in our churches. Yeah. Christ has appointed that there be elders and you know and other leaders within within the church, and we are to follow their leadership as they follow Christ's leadership. And that's really really important because where yeah. a where a human leader does uh, goes off in their own direction. In especially if it's especially when it's contrary to Christ's direction, we are not to follow that. yeah
0: yeah, and I think that's so important that we recognize that you know we need and we want to joyfully follow leaders who are joyfully following Christ themselves. Mm-hmm. But we recognize that none of those earthly leaders, those human leaders are perfect. And so they're going to make honest mistakes at times and, and they need us to hold them accountable in love. Mm-hmm. And then there are times that we may find people go off the rails and then we we, we are not obligated to follow them. Right.
1: And, and it's a tricky thing, too, because there is something about... Um, You know, and I'm going to pick on largely Western culture and specific and even more specifically North American because that's our context. Yes. Um, But because of uh, because so much of really 1950s to 1980s business culture has seeped into and informed how church churches operate (laughs) uh, in the West. Um, And again, specifically in North America, there is a tendency for leaders to become isolated. Yeah. And to not have, not to not really seem as though they are part of the body. They are apart from the body. Yeah. But a leader in the church is as much a part of the body as a congregate, as any other congregation member. They are a member of the church first. Yes.
0: Before they are a leader yeah and I think I've seen my, my one of my general observations of the church is that we tend to overreact-hmm um, so if we if we see a mistake in one area we push and swing the pendulum too far the other direction to get away from it instead of finding you know a, a proper course correction yeah and I think this is another area where we've seen that I think a lot of churches especially newer churches, um, or, or newer leadership, younger leadership, um, has looked at the historical, evangelical, North American church model of congregationalism, mm-hmm. specifically. I know there are many churches that have not been congregational forever because they don't you know, hold to that. Mm-hmm. But I'm speaking to more the camp of congregationalists. The heavy congregationalism where everything is put to a vote and committees are leading everything, And I think the church was right to look at that and say, you know, maybe we've gone too far. You know, if the church has to vote to approve buying a stapler for the office, I don't know if this is the structure Jesus intended of the church. You know, we have these leaders, these elders, let's empower them. But I think many times they went too far. Yeah. And they started isolating themselves and saying, no, we make the decisions now. And so finding this healthy balance, and I think, so we're seeing some... Mistakes and some fruit of that mistake, uh, for um, you know, an obvious example or obvious category of examples is where we see some leaders who become abusive in their leadership. Yes, you know, you can't question me. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and you see, you know, just train wrecks happening because there are leaders unchecked. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, that's the extreme, but I think we also see it in different categories or different levels being removing it from that. Yeah. So again, finding that balance of saying let's not have the church vote on the stapler, but let's have elders and leaders, pastors who have accountability, in love for them, in love for the church, in love for Christ, the head of the church, finding balance here. Mm-hmm. I think is something that we've been missing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, another another thing that uh, that is important in terms of um, another area of understanding that this doctrine brings is that unity within the body is achieved with diversity, hmm. and so we are to live and work together. We are to serve together as one body, but um, but that doesn't mean that we embrace uh, homogeny. (laughs) Um, Or
0: that we say it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. That that we are, we don't need everybody to be exactly the same and nor should everybody be exactly the same because then we are defective. (laughs) Um, If everyone, if everyone has exactly the same personality, gifts, perspective, background, um, everything. Uh, we miss something really, really, really important yeah. um and we become uh we we basically become one giant foot as opposed to as opposed <laughs> to a fully functioning body and that 's a and we don 't need that <laughs> now a body of just feet would smell it really would wouldn't it it would be really unpleasant and um, and the cost
0: of buying shoes would be absurd,
1: yes. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure Jesus would not be happy about that. So, um, so really, the body of Christ demands unity. So we we have to embrace the fact that everyone has different gifts, yeah. and we have to celebrate that not yes. just not just embrace it, but celebrate it, and help people nurture those gifts and grow in those gifts yeah. and use those gifts locally and beyond as yeah. well.
0: And it's what Paul will talk about in Corinthians, and not be jealous of others. Yes. You know, being content with the gift you have. Mm-hmm. You're the one taking out—that's well, not a gift, but it's different context— you're the one taking out the trash. Be content in that. Be yeah. grateful God gave you that calling, and, and do it joyfully. Don't be jealous of the person who gets to clean the— dry erase boards off. Sure. I don't know why I'm coming up with these I don't know. I don't know. elementary school uh, these examples. Are, your, of-
1: are you upset about the gifts that you, the areas in which you serve in your church, Brian? <laughs> no, no,
0: apparently I, I am. Okay. I'm, I've got something aggression underneath the surface that's bubbling out yeah. about dry erase boards and trash cans. Right.
1: Um, uh, well, so with that, I mean, it is really important though because, I mean, I've seen people, you know, not sure how really how to feel about where they serve in the church, like specifically people who are greeting. And so yeah. here's a, spe- so it's like, I'll, oh, I'm just at the door and I'm saying hi. And it's like, okay, yeah, you are. But think about it this way. You're at the door saying hi. You're the first friendly pay- yes. face that someone, you don't know what their week's been like. Yep. And especially if there's someone who is a new, is brand new to your church, who has never been there before, may not even be a believer. It's like, think about think about the, yeah. the way you at the door, the opportunity that God is giving you to be able to say, welcome, thank you for being here. We're glad you're here.
0: Yeah. It's, and you're playing an important part of the culture. Because mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to live out in truth and tangibly what a culture of people who love Jesus and live like Jesus looks like. Yeah. And so warmth. And um, welcoming hospitality; mm-hmm. these are all things that Jesus modeled to us um, when he was on his even in his three year earthly ministry. He look at how many times he ate with with sinners and tax collectors. Yeah, he he had a reputation for it. They basically the the his opponents actually accused him of being a party animal. Um, <laughs> And that's where he's like, hey, you gave John grief because he was too far in that direction of not having any fun. Now you're giving me a hard time because you think I'm a party animal. <laughs> um, so he was known to be somebody who apparently welcomed people, liked people, loved them, of course. So, yeah, that greeter who that first touch is just joyful and saying, thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. That's a You're living like Christ. You're showing Christ to that person. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's a, so important it is it's and so you know you pick your role and say all right so i'm in the nursery holding babies well you're loving those babies that christ loves you're loving like he you know pick -hmm. your ministry pick how you serve you lead a small group. You're, you're helping to point people to who Christ is. Mm-hmm. You go down the list. You know, you pro- provide the, f- you help in the cafe and, and making coffees. Oh my goodness, that's an important job. Absolutely. So, so Especially on Sundays do, when you're there. Exactly. You find, you. how is this tethered to what it looks like to live Christ? Yeah. Yeah. And you find joy in that and meaning in that. Yeah. All right, let's drive toward the finish line then and talk about the differences this doctrine should make. And Aaron, we, we kind of hit on these mm-hmm. to an extent. Why don't you just kind of summarize them as we wrap up today? Yeah,
1: so just to kind of summarize, there's there's two big things here. Uh, first is that we really are, if we are a body, we are to rely on one another. So we need other people. We cannot grow in Christ without them. And that really is a good thing. Other, having others in our lives, being part of a body... Being part of the body and recognizing where we are, um, it keeps us humble. It it allows us to better serve Christ together, yeah. um, and individually. It takes the weight of the world off of an individual because we're not meant for that. Yeah. And we and again, just to say it again, we serve better together if we we cannot do it all. Under our, pa- under our own power, and certainly not in our own power. But if we are trying to do all things and be all things to all people, when we are not gifted in certain ways, we will ultimately crush ourselves with a burden that we were never meant to carry. So we need other people. We need to rely on one another. And the second one is, is that we all play our part. So not only do we need others, but the church actually does need us, which. Sounds super arrogant to say because we like to be falsely humble as Christians, but it's true. We actually, if we are believers in Christ, we are part of the body, which means the body needs us as much as we need the rest of the body. And so we should not, um, you know, to use a rowing metaphor, you um, you know, in competitive rowing, Everyone has to be rowing the boat in order for it to work effectively. Yeah. So you don't want to be the person who's not rowing or rowing the wrong direction. <laughs> um, it's you're gonna worse like at best you're gonna end up s- spinning in circles or <laughs> getting to where you're going, but really, really slowly. And uh, and your teammates are gonna throw you off the boat. But yes. um, <laughs> uh, and you don't want that. Um, so we need to figure out. Uh, really, where our un- where we are uniquely gifted to serve, where God has where God has empowered us specifically to meet a need within our context, to serve to serve joyfully and do it, and 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 do so to the glory of God. And so, there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, I'm actually not a big fan of the like spiritual gift inventory type of things that are that you find on the Internet that act like spiritual gifts are a personality test. Um, The the Myers-Briggs is not the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram are not your spiritual gifts. Okay, so let's just uh, let's get just get that on the table.
0: We're going to get emails about that one. Uh,
1: absolutely because you know these days when you make fun of the enneagram um, oh my goodness yes but uh, i don't put much stock into anything like that anyway um but i respect people's opinions (laughs) anyway the best way to find out your spiritual gifts really to find out where god has uniquely empowered you to serve the body is to is to just do it do it yeah is try different things, but also look at what you're actually passionate about. See where your passion is. See where it lines up with your interests. See where it lines up with needs. And, and also ask other people. What do yeah, they I was gonna see? I
0: going to say, get feedback. Yeah, I agree mm-hmm. with you. I used to be bigger into spiritual gift inventories. I um, actually wrote my own because one thing I didn't like about them was they were usually, they're written in a way that you understand where they're going and start answering the way you want it to turn out.
1: Yeah. Much like a personality and, test. Exactly.
0: And so I tried to develop one that was a little bit more neutral from that, but same kind of thing. I think if you are listening and right now you're recoiling because you like to use, you know, maybe you're an education person or a discipleship pastor and you use these, I don't hear us saying you're wrong to use them. Um, I think they have a place. I would not put full stock on it as if, you know, all right, I completed the survey. Here's what I scored top at. That has to be my spiritual gift. Mm -hmm. Use it as just one more tool to assess potential. But then, yeah, I would agree with Aaron with what you said. Then you really look and say, let's practically, what are you doing? What do you do best? What do you enjoy? What do people recognize in you? So if if I, for example, did a spiritual gift inventory and it listed me as having mercy, um, people around me would really quickly put their hands up and say, no, something went wrong with that evaluation. Let's do this that guy test has, again. He has none of that right there. So, <laughs> And that's how I usually would evaluate if a test was somewhat accurate or not, if I scored low on that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, all right. I think it's kind of accurate.
1: Well, Brian, okay. I think you're a little bit too hard on yourself.
0: No, we're, no we'll wrap sense. up the episode before we have to enter into therapy mode. Okay. Um, all right, so... Yeah, let's just end there. Okay. Uh, I do want to thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.